welcome to episode 14 of the Silent Cast this season. And this week I'm joined by Dan. Hi Dan, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing, mate? Very well indeed, uh, Ollie, very well indeed. I'm calling in from Costa del Bogna Regis. Uh, <laughs> my wife very sensibly planned a weekend at Butlins for Shrewsbury Town away. So uh, that's coming to an end and we, we, we slipped off to see the game yesterday. So uh, yeah, all's okay. Brilliant. And um, welcome to the podcast, Cal. I'm Cal Smith. Welcome to the podcast the first time. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. A bit tired after all the travelling, but you know, same old. <laughs> yeah, so um, so I, I wasn't able to go to either of these games. Watch both of them. And Cal was able to go to Plymouth um, away. You didn't go to Portsmouth, did you, on Cal Saturday, unless you changed your mind in the end? No, I... Um... Yeah. I went to a Halloween party with the missus instead, so that was firmly off the table. <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, so we got two guests, both watched both games. Um, um, one of us went to um, the game as well, so it's obviously good to get that insight as well. Um, and before we obviously we have new guests on the podcast, we always like to ask two questions, and we don't do the the best eleven anymore. In, I guess if I put my hand to my mouth and kind of say it took too long, um, so yeah, we, we just ask two questions these days. So two questions over to you, Cal. So first of all, what was your first game? That gives everyone a bit of a sense how old. You are or how, how young you are um, and then also who's your favorite player and a little bit of reason why first game was 2000 march 2005 at the game meadow uh macclesfield at home and it was a one nil loss so it sort of set the tone for being a shrewsbury fan i think um i do have memories of listening to the conference playoff final on the radio but my mum was quite heavily pregnant at the time so couldn't really get to that game and then favorite player uh, it was quite a difficult one actually because you asked me that earlier and I've, I spent a long time thinking about it and I went for um, Ben Davis because he was just a wizard at set pieces and we don't get that very much I mean Lee he's alright now but we've not had someone as good at set pieces as Ben Davis like in the entire time I've been watching Shrewsbury I don't think Would you agree with that Dan? It's, um, it's quite rare isn't it for Shrewsbury to have someone who's, who's prolific at set pieces yeah, I think it's a fair comment, but I think it also, it, a lot of teams that are in League One and League Two would probably recognise that failing. If you're really good at set pieces, and then you're really good generally at other things too, so you're probably going to float up the pyramid a bit. But yeah, I, I recognise it. I also feel really old. My first game was in 1981. Oldham Athletics, seeing as you ask, March <laughs> 1981, 2-2, and I feel about 100 years old now. <laughs> I was minus <laughs> Sorry, two. Um, yeah, what year were you born, Cavs? Uh, 99. 99, there we go. <laughs> I wasn't born in 1999, let's just leave it at yeah. that. <laughs> born so, earlier. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, three people have, have born in different, um, let's call it different decades, um, Dan. And, um, yeah, good to have different contexts. And, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, Carl. Really great to have new guests. Um, so, um, let's jump into the first game, which was Plymouth away. Away eventually. Off it goes to Holt. He does really well. This is Humphrey. It's 2-0 Shrewsbury Town. Well, Humphrey made the first for Holt. Plymouth Argyle 2, Shrewsbury Town 1, Tuesday night at Home Park. Um, we saw there was a lot of fans saw Shrewsbury Town this week. Um, there's Attendance here was um, 15,000. Cal, was it about 200 or so um, at Plymouth away on Tuesday night? Yeah, look, I think we, I saw Town tweeted about, uh, what do you mean, Monday night. They said they sold about 170-odd. But it, we, me and my friend went, and we'd been there a couple of years before when we took 125, I think it was. It was definitely a couple more than the last Tuesday night we had at Plymouth. Cool. But um, yeah, like, and it was, for the noise, for 200 people, it wasn't too bad, to be fair. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, real hardcore of Shrewsbury Town fans there making that trip on a Tuesday night. Um, and fair play to anyone that went to both. I did see on Twitter, I'll try and have a look later on to give them a shout out. Because yeah, if you went to both Plymouth and Portsmouth, 
um, away um, and you don't work for the football club yet, then kudos to you. That, that's, a, that's a big commitment. Going into this game, Plymouth um, are, were top of the league. Um, Salop had not last won at um, Plymouth in um, August 2001. Um, I'm pretty sure I went to that one. Um, I'm pretty sure my dad took us to that one um, back in the day. So it's quite a while since we've been off. But then to say that, they have been in League 2 for a while, so we haven't played them a lot. And then in terms of Plymouth's record coming to this game at home, pretty impressive. 11 games and they'd won 9. Um, so they were on a hot streak. Um, in terms of team selection, um, same team actually played in both games against um, Portsmouth and Plymouth this week. So you have Morosi in goal, Pennington, Dunkley, Flanagan, Bennett, Winchester, Bayliss, and Leahy and Shipley, Sadie and Street. Um, and was that the scene that you expected, Cal? Yeah, I was alongside Sadie's, rotated a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. I wasn't quite sure who he'd play. I've not seen too much of Street um, this season, but he's he was quite impressive in this game, actually. It was definitely the better of the two games he had this week. That's probably down to tiredness, but um, yeah, no, he was. Apart from that, it's it's the standard Shrewsbury selection, really, isn't it? I think the key thing for me there, Ollie, was it became apparent what a good selection it was when Street went off at Portsmouth, and Pike came on, because Pike was pretty timid. Um, he didn't look like there was any belief in what he was doing, and I thought, oh crikey, you know, where, where's that been for the last whatever it was, hundred and. 20-odd minutes where he hasn't been on the field. So I think the choice of Street there made a lot of sense, right? Because he did seem to have a bit of purpose about his play. So fair play for to Cottrell for, for going with him rather than Pike on that occasion. Yeah, it's, it's Pike, he has a little bit of um, imposter syndrome, doesn't he, Dan? He doesn't seem to believe that he's almost he's a professional footballer because when he's on his game and he's trying hard, like that Forest Green Rovers game we went to, we both stood next to each other that one, the chalk and cheek, they don't look like the same player, do they? What we saw on Tuesday night or, you know, and also on Saturday versus what we saw on that, that, that um, Forest Green game. Drives me to distraction, Ollie. It really does because, I mean, as you well know, he's going to be the breakthrough player of the season, right? <laughs> you, you heard it here um, three months ago on his pod. But, but uh, certainly at Portsmouth, I, I felt he had no conviction. He, he didn't really believe that he was going to do anything, whether it was trap the ball, um, get a tackle in or get in a good position for a shot. And, um, and I just find that frustrating because he has started the season pretty well but it's drifting and I think Street's got an opportunity here over the next few weeks to really nail down his role in the side and he's doing it or or at least I I think he is over the last judging by what I've seen in the last two games. Do you think that 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 miss Pike had at Fleetwood it was in the first half when he went clean through one-on-one that's probably knocked his confidence quite a bit and he's a massive confidence player so that one miss is probably like knocked him back quite a bit in the progress he had been making, I think. I think it could have done. I mean, I, I find it really interesting with players' psychology because some players, like Andy Cole was a classic one in the 1990s. He'd miss a million chances, but he, you knew he'd back himself to score the million and first. And that's why he scored so many goals, because he missed so many chances and didn't care. Whereas some players, I think you're right, they miss one chance and they fall apart. And I obviously don't know Eric Pike personally. I don't know what he, his approach to the game is. Um but he strikes me as in more of that category, that confidence matters much, much more to him than it perhaps would to the average League One footballer who'll just, in whatever way, bounce back and carry on. Um, so I think he needs he needs one to go in off his bum or he needs something lucky to happen for him. But, you know, you tend to make your own luck as well, don't you? So I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not really expecting it. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a shame, but yeah, it's, it's fair play to the manager. Um, obviously, we've talked about this a few times about you know the number of strikers we have. Um, normally, start with five on the bench. Um, but yeah, Sadie and Street, um, I thought were, were good in this game. And yeah, Street was involved quite early on. Um, we had Shrewsbury had a corner, um, a good header, uh, and Street was unable to get his toe on it. And then Shrewsbury had another corner, hit the crossbar. And it's fair to say, Cal, I thought that Shrewsbury Town started the game well um, and much better and, than Plymouth. And I think Shrewsbury Town had a, a lot more, I don't know how to put this, a lot more almost aggression or kind of purpose when they were going forward. The only way I can describe it is they rattled Plymouth. Like, Plymouth didn't know what to do. We came out, and for the first half an hour, that is some of the best football we've played this season. Hands down, it was really aggressive, high-pressing. Plymouth are a very good team on the ball, and we just didn't give them the chance to play for the first half hour. It was constantly Bayless, Sadie, Street, putting pressure onto their players, making them rush. And that those couple of corners early on, hitting the bar, it rattled Plymouth more because we've gone that close to scoring already and obviously we go on to score which helped us but hitting the bar was it the fourth or fifth minute I think it was it really set the tone for the first half I think and do you think us shooting out having those chances so early on impacted on the the home um, crowd because it was quite a big crowd wasn't it for them yeah it it definitely got quiet and they did they had a really weird pre-match build up there like they dimmed the lights right down had a full-on light show and they got this song they were playing about Plymouth Argyle and they had the words going across on the screen I've not seen that before but all their fans seemed to love it so there was definitely a lot of noise when the players came out the tunnel it quieted them down really quickly and obviously the second half when they started to build the fans got back on side but the first half they were much quieter than they normally are yeah, I noticed that certainly by as the second half was coming to a close, I thought they were they were very, very quiet. Um this spell of the game, Shrewsbury and first half, I think, in terms of away performances and so particularly in terms of the Shrewsbury Town style, low block, carrying to attack it, this was a classic um Steve Cottrell away performance and that's hundred percent in me in terms of being positive about how we play or, and how we set teams up and how we how we how we set ourselves up to go and attack teams and we really attacked with a lot of purpose which was fantastic to see too often we are not very good at the ball which is something I think we'll come into the, the Portsmouth game um, there was a little bit of a scare and Morosi did a miss kick Cal um, luckily that was a um, a poor strike um, from from Plymouth and um, but you were behind the right behind him there I think that that must have been a bit of a scare yeah, well, Morosi's kicking's the reason he's not a championship goalkeeper, isn't it? So I think I'd rather him put 10 out of play from long kicks than uh, any scares like that. But luckily, Plymouth, quite surprisingly, actually didn't make more of it, really. Yeah, it was quite a poor strike from the striker. Um, after that, um, Bayliss, who was absolutely fantastic in this half, um, drives forward. He gets fouled, but Salat played the advantage. Um, across comes into the box, punched away. Um, Bennett puts it back into the box, um, but unfortunately Street heads over. Another chance for Shrewsbury. Plymouth did have a shot. It was blocked and bounced around the box and Shrewsbury cleared. That's probably one of the few Plymouth attacks in this half. Um, and then Shrewsbury Town scored. Um, so this was now 30 minutes into the game. 
Mistake at the back, a bit of a sloppy pass, and Bayliss gets onto the ball again. He drives forward, he passes to Sadie. have to say, and this is very, very good um, play from Sadie, who plays a ball to Shipley, perfectly timed, um, who puts the ball into the back of the net. And um, that was a good goal, Dan. That's the kind of goal that we want to see and, and shows that the team are, you know, kind of learning to play to each with each other. Yeah, I think the goal was 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 really good. And, and it came at a time where I was worrying that we might not score, having done so well in that half. But the thing that really interested me, and I'd, I'd be interested to get Cal's angle on this because I, I wasn't actually at the game, I was watching where I follow. Um, it looked to me like we were moving the ball much quicker. And linked in with that, we weren't just moving it quick and hoping it was going to go to somebody. There seemed to be a degree of understanding across the whole pitch. And when you move the ball quickly and players know where it's going to be moved to, then you, you become really hard to play against. And that, that's what struck me. I hadn't seen that. And to be honest, didn't really see it at Portsmouth uh, uh, on Saturday. But for that first 45 minutes at Plymouth, we moved the ball as well as I've seen us move, move it for a long, long time. I mean, did you get that impression in the stadium, Cal? Yeah, I think it came with the um, the high pressing that we were doing. We they players came out and they clearly knew what they were doing, where each other were going to be, so they could press, they could trust each other. Sadie knew that um, Shipley was going to be at that back post. There was a horrible moment where I thought he was going to try and take it on himself and the angle wasn't particularly great. And I don't think he even looked up, he just sort of slipped it across right into the path of Shipley. So there's obviously a clear understanding. It's obviously something they've been working on together on the training ground to know where each other are and where the run's going to come from. And it's particularly nice to see the opposition mess up because, I mean, the two of their lads just didn't know whether who was going for the ball and us take advantage of it because suddenly we had an overload, very cool, very calm, very collected and, and we're one nil up. And how many times have we seen us, you know, not take advantage of slips that opposition defenders make and particularly when you're away at top of the league? And I, I thought that was, yeah, omens were good and I continue to think the omens were good until... They weren't, and uh, and equalised, and then I thought the omens suddenly went very bad. But up until that point, where they equalised, I thought we, we we were we were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we we nearly ended the half and could have scored again. So a really good attack from Shrewsbury, a really nice deft ball from Dunkley, really nice kind of chip spin back ball. It basically comes to when Bailey who has a shot inside the box, and the keeper saves, and it kicks for a corner and. Yeah, Cal. At this point, well, firstly, like, what did you kind of make of the first half overall? Um, and should we have been more than one nil up? Could have been more than one nil up. I saw Plymouth fans saying they deserve to be three or four nil down at half time. When I was looking at Twitter at half time, if the Plymouth fans are saying that, then obviously it was an excellent first half. I was stood with my mate. He's not a Shrewsbury fan, but he's been to quite a lot of games since we've met at uni, and he said it was the perfect first half because we got the goal in half an hour and then saw out the half really well just to let the players recover from all the um, the high pressing they've been doing. Because obviously it's really draining, especially travelling to Plymouth, which is a it's about a four-hour drive from Shrewsbury, so God knows how long it is on the coach. Um, so they sort of stepped off the gas a bit from half an hour onwards to half-time. Obviously they didn't step back on the gas at any point in the second half, which would have been nice. But um, one thing I did notice was Plymouth weren't putting the ball in the air very much, especially in the first half corners were going to the edge of the box or right to the back corner of the box they didn't want to put them in the air and when they started putting them in the air Dunkley was winning everything he was imperious in the middle which is probably why they were trying to play short set pieces and Shrewsbury have ditched the short um, set pieces thankfully because they weren't working against Charlton at all and it's nice to see us just put the ball in the box we've got quite a big team and 
we can dominate the air. And I think it's really important that we use Dunkley and Pennington especially to dominate the box because we created many chances from it and it's something that could get us goals. There was, I thought there was a, a big contrast between the two sides. Um, I thought Plymouth were very ponderous in their attacking, not fast enough. And um, where Dan, would that, you would say it's probably one of our best um, away halves this season? Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, and, and not just because we won the lap, but because there was a conviction to our play. There, there was a pattern to it. Um, and pressing only works if, 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 one, you get the ball back relatively frequently or you, you force the opposition into mistakes. You, you've got to have something after the initial press. And, and I thought we, we did. We, we looked like we, we knew what we were doing. I'm interested about this, this travel point, though, because, I mean, last season, Plymouth, their, their second nearest game was Oxford. You know, so they have to travel all the time, and you know, others. I mean, Portsmouth. You know, they're they're going to travel way more than we do. So I'm always I find it a bit curious when people bring travel into the equation. I mean, for us as supporters, yeah, okay, it's a bit of a pain in the bum. But I mean, Plymouth is still a way a well supported team away from home. So I'm I'm not sure that travel really is is in the equation with this one. I just think it's a Tuesday night game. They're professional footballers. They're not playing for Plymouth, who have to travel way further than we do. So uh, um, I, I don't know whether. Whether we should even be talking about that as a, as a as a variable in all of this, the key thing for me was we had a plan. It looked like it was well thought through, and it worked until, if I'm being brutally honest, Marco Morosio. I agree, Cal. He's a, he's a very good goalkeeper, but I don't think he'll be watching the replay of that first goal too frequently because he made a mess of it. Yeah, I think just on the, I think the reason why maybe the travel has been talked about this week is because we've probably spent about 16, 17 hours, maybe more, on the coach this week, given going up and down. So I think that's why travel's probably been discussed this week. I think, you know, typically, I think a, an away game is, is what it is, isn't it? Um, and we normally stay over in a hotel as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, th- I think in terms of the context of the whole week, I think the travel has an impact, but I don't think it was going to impact on this game so much. Um, so, yeah, um, and then halftime came along. You mentioned it, Cal. Um, we only really pressed fully probably for the first half an hour. And then the second half, we really sat back um, I thought we'd probably gone, we've also probably engaged our shithouse mode, Dan. Um, but yeah, how do you think we kind of started the second half and how do you think we performed overall in this half? Well, I, I don't think it's to do with fitness. I think I could criticise Cotterall in many ways and for many things, but I think generally his sides are very fit. I think there was this this thing that happens when you're 1-0 up, right? And you instinctively get a bit deeper, you sit a bit further back, and that's not going to work if you press, because if they get through, then they've got a massive great hole uh, to, to, to do some damage from. So I think instinctively we started going backwards, backwards, backwards. Um, we did it at Portsmouth and we, we didn't concede. So it's clearly in, in one of the ways that Cottrell works. The trouble with this one is we did concede. And I felt that um, that, that that was given that they're top given that they have a, they had a full house behind them, given that everybody uh, really sort of w- will have been, been been sort of ratcheted up in the in the Plymouth end there, um, I'm not surprised we lost the game. But I think it's this it, it's the way that happens when we go one nil up. We just end up going back and back and back. And we'd have done the same if we were two nil up. We'd have done the same if we were three nil up. Um, we don't instinctively keep taking taking the game to other teams. And it, it, sometimes it, we do it well, Portsmouth. Sometimes you know, Lady Luck doesn't doesn't roll with you, and that's what happened at Plymouth. And as soon as they scored, I felt they were going to get a second. I never thought Portsmouth were going to get a second, actually. So I mean, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And I don't think it did at Plymouth. We were just too negative. Is not the right word, but we we, we just have this 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 sort of 
this style of inviting teams on and on and on. And if anything goes wrong in your own box... Yeah, I understand what you mean there, Dan. I think one of the, the, the frustrating things for me in this game is we didn't, we weren't as attacking and we weren't as effective going forward in the second half. But at the same time, we didn't make too many errors. But unfortunately for us, the two errors that they we did make, they scored from... Um, the first one, Salah got caught napping. Um, I don't think we really closed our man down well enough. Um, we gave him too much space and time. Ennis gets the ball and fires into the back of the net. And he got caught at his near post, which we we kind of linked to with reference at the start of the podcast. And Cal, yeah, what was your thought? Were you were you right behind this one? Uh, yeah, all the goals came at the end the Shrewsbury fans were at. And... Um... Yeah, it was frustrating because you could see it coming. It was building and it was building because we sat back and it. W- I don't think it was the player's decision. I think it was an instruction for the manager from the manager to say, "Let's sit back and let's try and see it out." And obviously, something that worked at Portsmouth seeing our point. But part of me thinks we should have just absolutely gone for it, run through everything, got the three points at Plymouth, and then take the loss at Portsmouth because at the end of the day, we've. We've come away with a good point at the end of the week against two good teams. But the game was there to be won. And it was so frustrating when they scored because I think there was a sense of we're not getting back into this now. We've let them build. We've made a mistake. And they're just going to build on it because they had the time to play the pass as they want. They had the time to move the ball how they wanted. And the pressing had just gone out the window. And I think we spent more time with a dead ball wasting time than the ball was in play because it it was the best shithousery I've ever seen. We're so good at it. And it was really winding up the home fans and the home players. Just little things like letting the ball bounce off them when it was thrown to them. and But it was never going to be a Shrewsbury win. It was going to be trying to see out the three points and it was trying to see out the point and then obviously by the time we're chasing the game it was too late because Plymouth were in complete control we'd also lost Sadie then hadn't we as well and I think that was a big that was a problem I mean Ollie you mentioned this to me off air but apparently he was he was a bit ill wasn't he yeah apparently this well the the manager said there's an illness going through the squad we don't know what the kind of illness is that is now obviously there is Covid going around a bit but I've got no idea what it is but apparently there's a bit of a sickness it can't have been that because he played on Saturday well, yeah, it's unlikely, isn't it? Um, yeah, but he came off, um, and there's a few players apparently who aren't, aren't so that ill. Maybe that did play a little bit into the kind of the tactics that the manager went for and didn't try pressing as much. Um, but we definitely turned it down, didn't we, Dan? In the second half, I thought the second half there was whether it's instruction or just yeah, as you referred to, players just kind of you know changing their mentality. We just weren't at the races the same in the second half as we were in the first. I think that's right. I mean, I think we give Plymouth a bit of credit. They're a good team. They've won seven on the bounce at home. That they, they they know what they're doing. Um, I think Sadie going off was a big moment. I mean, I I did feel on on Saturday at Pompey that I mean it, I was knocking Pike earlier for for having lack of conviction, but Sadie was definitely struggling. And I suspect he's just not he's not been hundred percent with whatever illness has been laying him low. But but we lost his ability to hold the ball up, and you know he's got a bit of beast mode about him, hasn't he? And when you haven't got anybody up front holding the ball up, then it becomes very hard to get up the pitch. And that we saw that on steroids uh, in the last twenty minutes, half hour against Argyle. I mean, I, I didn't think they they had to they had to win that game, but without Sadie up front, it's quite hard to actually go for it. Because what are you going for? 
I mean, but Bowman's not going to hold the ball up like that, and 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 nor's any of the other forward options that we've got. So it's quite hard to know what going for it, other than whacking it seventy yards and all chasing after it, would really mean. Now that's criticism of Cottrell, right? Because he hasn't got the players. If we didn't have Sadie, then I'm not sure how we'd ever hold it up. Yeah. And, and that, that's a worry. I mean, Dan Ado's clearly, you know, going to come back at some point. But um, I think the going for it thing was really hard because we haven't got the tools to do it. So um, it, it was an inevitability about what was happening, really. On that point, Carl, was it a frustration because you were there, there was an opportunity to get something from the game? So your frustration was kind of being there and seeing the opportunity. Um, but what would you, what's your thought on, on that comment from Dan? When I was watching the game, I thought Plymouth were quite ponderous. But I think also the point about Sadie not having a target man after he went off is, is maybe quite a fair comment. It was unbelievably frustrating to watch in person. Um, not that Shrewsbury Town are ever not frustrating, but you could see it building and it was... I think Sadie going off, obviously, at the time we didn't know he was ill, so it was a bit of a odd one. But, um, yeah, losing Sadie and then obviously you've got a doe out and then that leaves you Bowman and Pike and... Blockson's not really a target man either, and Caton certainly isn't on the bench. So there was no one... I, don't, I mean, we don't have anyone similar to Sadie. The guy's an absolute unit. Like I remember at Cheltenham, he just ran through a defender chasing a ball, didn't break stride. So there's... <laughs> Do you think the players... Do you think the, think the players maybe lost a little bit of their conviction and confidence that Sadie had gone off? That maybe that had an impact on the players' mentality? If you lose... Sadie, I think we have to adapt our tactics because, like Dan said, you there is no one else who can do a job like Sadie can up front, holding the ball up on his own, shrugging players off. I don't think I've seen Sadie get out muscled by anyone in the league yet. Um, and Bowman isn't going to be the same. Pike hasn't got the strength or the confidence to really do that. I, so I don't really know why. We sat. I see why we sat back, but I feel like we should have just, I don't know, chain, tweaked it ever so slightly. Cottrell's a very astute tactical manager, and he definitely could have tweaked the game because he obviously knows what he's doing. I saw something earlier. He's one of the most successful EFL managers in the last 10 or 20 years. He obviously knows how to play more tactics than lump it long to the big man and shit out your way to a 1-0. It was just a bit frustrating for us to sort of just sit back for 45 minutes and try and see out the clock. I mean, I buy that. I, I, I really do buy that. Cottrell's record says that he's got something about him. And I, I think, what are we? We're 11th in the league. And I think there's only once in the last 30 years that we've ever finished above 11th in League One. And we haven't played that well for quite a lot of the season. Yet we're 11th in the league, two points off the playoffs. And I think much as I... I've been very critical of Cottrell in the past. That's not a bad place to be. And, you know, I, you know, I, th- I think we need to sort of acknowledge that, that um, Cottrell does know a bit about what he's doing. That's the first thing. The second thing is, surely Tom Bloxham's got to go out on loan somewhere. He doesn't fit into any of this. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where he wants to play. I mean, apparently he wants to play wide left. But we've got four forwards here. Only one of them's been really effective, Sadie. And Bloxham basically doesn't get a look in. Surely he needs to play some football at some point. It's not doing him much good. Get in... What's he getting? 20 minutes a month? In the pizza cup. 
in the pizza cup. Yeah, yeah. it's not. I think boxer man Caton is, is a big question, and I'd love to hear the media actually ask him that question. Maybe they haven't. He said he's not going to answer it on on air. Um, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. Going back to kind of the tactical approach, does the manager not have the confidence in the player, perhaps Dan, that they can't play passing football? Because if you haven't got if you haven't got Sadie to play it long, your only really option is to play through the lines, isn't it? And maybe he just doesn't think we can do that, or we're going to get caught. Well, I, th- I think slowly but surely the the team is um, looking like it has a bit more about it in terms of passing the ball. Now, maybe he doesn't want to run before he can walk, but I thought, and we'll get to this in a few minutes, I thought Winchester was fantastic at Portsmouth and he did a load of stuff. He was the water carrier. You two are far too young and beautiful to remember Didier Deschamps, but when when France won the World Cup in 1998, everyone goes on about Zidane. Deschamps wins the ball, passes it 10 yards. And Winchester, I mean, to be fair, he hit the post and nearly scored, didn't he? So we would have noticed him then, but he's a guy who will keep the ball, win the ball, keep the ball, win the ball. Now, you've got him in the middle doing that job, then all of a sudden, Bayless has got more room to do what he does. Shipley can hopefully be more attack-minded than defensive-minded because he's not a very good defender. So we've suddenly got more people in the team who can do stuff. Now, I think Winchester's week has been really good, and I think it's been really positive for the rest of the season because he is a player who knows what he's doing in the middle. And I think he could be the key to the rest of the season, folks. If Winchester plays like he did at Portsmouth, then we've got a really good Makaleli-esque figure in the middle of the pitch. And, um, and I wasn't sure I was ever going to be saying that because you never know, do you? People come down from a higher league. But if, if that works for Cottrell, then I think it unlocks a number of other things that can can make us play some, some better football, really. Yeah, I think Winchester's a fantastic sign. It was interesting, I was chatting to a, a Pompey um, fan who does um, a podcast and he was saying about how he was quite concerned about our midfield three of Bayless, Leahy and Winchester. If Flanagan's a ball playing central half, so is Flanagan, so is Pennington as well. Um, so yeah, maybe he did talk about passing football and how we're developing um, in the in the Pompey post match. So maybe it's something we can see a bit more from. But yeah, the second half overall was not not so good um, in terms of. Um, unfortunately, Plymouth got a second one. Um, we had um, basically Galloway on the left hand side, a player who actually <laughs> signed, well did sign for us according to social media, and then the club deleted it. Um, I hear, but I believe he, he failed a medical. Good ball in the button into the box on the left and tapped into the back post. Shrewsbury Town were caught there trying to score a goal, and unfortunately Plymouth um, kind of got back at us. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've talked. Well, I was going to ask you, um, Cal, about the second half and how we approach. I think we've kind of covered that a little bit already. Question for you, Cal: What was your kind of view on the subs? Because in recent weeks, we've we kind of praised the subs. Um, we made a few substitutions this game. Um, we've also talked about Sadie already, but. Did did the subs have any impact on the game, in your opinion? Um, no, <laughs> to put it bluntly, um, I think you could put it the other way, couldn't you, Cal? You could say one going off, Sadie made the impact, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and that's, that's it, that was it? the problem. Um, obviously, the Sadie one is an enforced thing if he's been been unwell, but then they're coming on to play. 11 men behind the ball, effectively. They're coming on to waste time and take as long as they can with set pieces. So you could say, what impact did they have a chance to make? Because the tactic was clearly sit back and defend, and a lot of our changes were attacking players. So I think it was just a case of fresh legs. I think partly we use subs to run down the clock, if I'm being completely honest. I don't see what they really bought onto the pitch that we weren't already doing. So I think maybe there was an eye on Portsmouth and just hoping that the players coming on could see out the game. 
in the same way that I think it was Street that went off and obviously Sadie just try and see out the game in the same way that the whole 11 were get behind the ball dig in basically park the bus yeah it was, it's, it's I, I did I was watching this game obviously as I said watching it from home I didn't think Dan that I don't know I was surprised I didn't think as the first half started that we were going to necessarily concede two as, as that's how good we are at defending but I was a little bit disappointed with our approach um, I, as, as we've kind of lamented a bit already um, but yeah, any any kind of final comments on this half of football, Dan? Um, it was disappointing to concede two goals, um, and I, yeah, I don't think the subs had an impact. And I think yeah, I think we're I, I don't know. I just want to see a little bit, do us a little bit more with the ball. Well, I definitely would like to just do more with the ball, um, and that's hence my point about Winchester trying to be a little bit more positive. I think he's someone who can can help us do that. Um, did the subs make an impact? No. Next question on that one. No, they didn't, um, because the strategy was so clear um, as to what what we wanted to do. Um, in, in terms of could we done anything different? Well, we didn't really at Portsmouth, and we came home with a, with, a, with a point that I guess is relatively well well earned. I, I just don't feel we quite had the tools at our disposal to carry on um, to carry on without Sadie, and that that worries me a bit because if Sadie gets injured, then where do we go from there? Now you might say we'd have to go somewhere else, we'd have to play differently. Um, but um, I wouldn't want Sadie to be going anywhere soon because we'd have a, a pretty big hole to fill. Yeah, if we lose Sadie in, in January, um, fingers crossed that won't happen, but yeah, he'd be a, a huge loss. Um, and I think it's probably worth just talking about the, the injuries. Isn't we? We've obviously got Nurse injured and it's obviously a big miss. We've got DeCosta missing as well and Daniel Doe. Um, and I think if those players, those three players are available this week, obviously O'Brien's not fully fit either. Um, but in our small squad, um, Cal, that's, that's, a, that's a big loss to miss those players well, it's the dangers of building a small squad obviously we've gone for quality over quantity with our player recruitment and you could say I think it was when we had Ricketts and we had something like 29 players in our squad that's the other end of the spectrum that's completely ridiculous as well but you know we're still relying a lot on the youth system which not necessarily a bad thing but we're bringing through Bloxham and Cater, and I think Barlow's been on the bench, but they're not playing and they're not going out on loan. So they're not really experiencing that first team football that they need to make that step. Connor Galton had his loan to, I think it was Cheltenham, just before he came and became our first team regular for us. Bradshaw, I don't know if Bradshaw had a loan or not, but like players we've had through our youth system have either gone into the first team, like a Ryan Woods, or they've gone out and had a loan spell, then come into the first team. They've not just sat on the bench for ages and then gone on to be amazing because ultimately it's the first team football they need to go on to become League One footballers. And that's the trouble, isn't it? You look at our bench and you're not sure who's going to come on. And yeah, you know, we, we basically there's not many options, is there, when our bench when we've got this many injuries? Um, so yeah, let's let's pull this game to half. Well, one thing I just wanted to comment on, and also I use these stats are interesting for the Pompey game as well. So in this game, Shrewsbury had, according to Y Scout, one point six xg. So we probably should have scored more than one goal. Uh, and interestingly, we had more xg than Plymouth, um, who were. Uh, not exactly effective at going forward, um, but unfortunately they took their, their two chances that they did create. In terms of um, top threes, um, I went for, for Bayless, Shipley and Sadie. Um, Cal, who did you go for? Um, Bayless, first for me, outstanding in the first half particularly. I mean, I think this was mainly based off the first half because no one really had a chance to do very much in the second half because it was very sort of handbrake on sort of football. Um, Winchester second I thought he was 
I think he's had a really good week, actually. It's probably his best couple of games that I've seen him play for town. He's starting to really stand out in the midfield as that water carrier type footballer. And then Dunkley third because he just is like he's got a magnet in his head and he wins everything. He gets in front of shots, gets in the way. He's positionally really good. And I mean, I think the team overall played really well. But those three were probably the three that just about stood out enough. But it's fine margins, isn't it, in League One football? Dan, who do you go for? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I'm just going to say one thing about the strategy. Well, just to be crystal clear about where I was coming from in this, we could have won that game one nil if Marco Morosi hadn't made a mistake at his near post. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Marco Morosi, but let's be clear, the strategy wasn't failing at that point. I mean, when did they score, Ollie? Can you remember? Seventieth minute. Um, they scored their first goal on centi minutes, yeah, and then again so on 83. We'd gone through 25, and, and you know, much as it was probably Cal's tearing his hair out behind a goal, and I get it because you don't, you know, you like to see a team play a bit of football, it was working until, until that one mistake. And these things happen, it's the, it's the plight of a goalkeeper, isn't it? But that, that's one thing that is irritating because that, that mistake changed the game. Um, I, Bayliss first. I thought Bayliss is, is, is in a decent run of form. He's playing well, he looks like he knows what he's doing, he's, um, he doesn't lose the ball. Um, he's quicker than I thought he was, and I thought he was he was pretty impressive in the first half. Uh, Sadie second, even though he didn't play the whole game. I, th- I think, as I've said before, pivotal figure, very strong, uh, and 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 he's a good guy to have leading the line. And thirdly, uh, uh, Winniester um, uh, Winchester, I thought uh, was was very good, um, and he continued that on uh, on Saturday as well. Yeah, Winchester is a fantastic signing, um, and I, I can't wouldn't be surprised if he. Um, yeah, if he picks up a lot of um, top threes as the season goes on, so should we get into Christmas? Um, in terms of what does Steve Cotter have to say, um, he said, yeah, it's tough to take. We made a couple of mistakes with our goals. We make two mistakes all night and we get punished. He said he couldn't be proud of the lads, the size of the squad and the injuries. Um, and he said also, as Cal mentioned as well, we're miles better than we were against Charlton. Um, so the lads are excellent and we never gave them a look. And Plymouth had that confidence in how they were playing, but they didn't look that, I don't know, I almost give them praise for continuing to play the same way. They kept trying to find the kind of the angles, and trying to find um, trying to find the gaps, but they didn't play with, I don't know, I wasn't, I was impressed with them in some ways, but at the same time, I didn't think they played with enough pace. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how they carry, if they can continue this this kind of run. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how Plymouth get on. Obviously, that was the game on Tuesday night, and now we'll jump into the game on, on Saturday. Crane Turner, what you got in front of him every day. Lovely ball in, could be an own goal. It's uh, still there, still alive for Harold. Harold pulls it back. What a night! What a Um, both goals in the first half both goals actually within three minutes of each other um, another big attendance this time um, 1,700 and so good attendance um, Shooter Town took about 400 I think about 426 Salat fans including yourself Dan um, went to this game um, and interesting stat as well so we're playing against two teams here we've got really good um, home records and Pompey are unbeaten at home all season um, and you went to this one Dan did you take the kids and, and the whole family along? Well I took one of the kids um, because uh, I've, got, I've got twins they're both just turned seven but the the, the the delights of Butlins as I mentioned I'm in, in Bognor Regis at the moment as we're recording um, was just too much for poor Stan he couldn't he couldn't resist the fairground so he just, he opted to um to, to stay with mum in Bognor but me and, and the other twin Vince went along yeah and um I enjoyed it I, th- I thought I thought we did pretty well uh, in the great scheme of things I was fascinated by Portsmouth I say that 
from the from the outset, Ollie, because I mean I don't know what it looked like on iFollow, but they had a guy playing out right who really caused us problems in the first half. He was he was slippery, he had a he had a million tricks and he made um Shipley look like what he is, and that's not a left back. Um, and I thought, you know, when we went in 1-1 at half time, that it was going to be a monstrously long second half and he was going to cause carnage and eventually they'd score. Well, he, he didn't have another kick, really. Morosi didn't have a save to make in the second half as the shithousery worked wonderfully. And the only question was, would we be able to craft something at the other end? Now, as, as it happened, we didn't. But um, but the tactics there worked really well because Morosi was largely redundant in the second half. So I think... I think I was a bit disappointed in a way, but disappointed because, you know, we're going away to a good side. We've got a strategy that definitely seems to have something about it, but we couldn't quite craft that one opportunity for somebody to to, to nick us a second goal. And in terms of um, players for Portsmouth, are you talking about the right winger, Dale, or the, or the right back, Swanson, do you think? Uh, Dale. Dale. Okay, so yeah. he caught your eye. Yeah, and Swanson was the guy who scored the goal. I nearly talked about this in the first game, but I, I kind of wanted to save it for the second game. Yeah, um, Shipley playing at wing-back. I thought against Plymouth he was very good going forward. Obviously, he scored the goal. I thought he was really good from an attacking point of view. Defensively, um, interesting tweet from Andy Davis, who's obviously on the podcast um, a couple of weeks ago. He said, need to start um, defending better from Shipley um, if he's a state wing-back didn't track back the danger on, on Tuesday night and he's allowing inside there. So this was the goal that Pompey scored after 29 minutes and you mentioned Shipley there, Dan. What do you make of Shipley playing this role? Do you think he's... Obviously, Nurse is a big miss. I'm sure you'd agree with that. But yeah, left wing back and not having a proper cover for, for, for Nurse is, for me is a bit of a concern going forward. Well, I think it's really interesting. I, I hadn't seen Andy's tweet and I, I can totally understand where he's coming from there. If you're going to play a back three, for me at least... Um, then whoever's playing on the left of that back three has to be prepared to go right out. They have to be prepared to get across and take on whoever's coming at them through that channel, right? And Flanagan was prepared to do that, and he should do that, move move across when the ball goes to the left. The problem comes when they've got two men out there. And the full-back who, who, who scored the goal, I think it was his first ever goal, I think he's, yeah, he's learning the game. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know much about him, but he, he played quite well. But they had an overload time and time and time again. Yeah. Now, for me, that's when you move to a back four. And I, I speak as a low level, I grant you, but I speak as a full-back stroke wing-back. In that situation, you need to defend, defend and defend. And of course, ironically, we had a full-back, Luke Leahy. Yeah. So I thought it was a really strong case for moving to a back four to actually defend as a, as, a, as, a, as a more orthodox unit. Because the idea that Shipley was going to be able to get right up the field, that seemed like fantastical thinking in the first half. His job was going to be to defend, defend and defend. Now, ironically... I said that to Ant Thomas, who was standing next to half Tom. I said, we've got to do this. We've got to get Lee in at left back because he knows how to defend. And yet, in the second half, Shipley wasn't as exposed as I thought he was going to be. He did spend more time going forward. In fact, he put in two good crosses late on. No one was within 10 yards of him, but that's because Sadie had gone off. But it suddenly made more sense as to why he was in that role. But when we're under the cosh, He's the wrong man for the job. He isn't going to be able to learn to defend like that. It, it, it's just not going to happen. So I think we need, need to be able to change what we do a bit. And moving Leahy into that position is an option. Now, as I say, I'd have, I'd have fought anybody on this at half time. It didn't happen. And we look better. But nonetheless, I think that it was the type of situation where it's easy to be critical of Shipley because he didn't defend well. But it's not what he does. And we, and, we, and we shouldn't expect him to do things that he's not really in the side to do so that was my initial thought that a change is necessary and 
if all is equal, it's the type of thing I think we should be a little bit quicker to do. Yeah, and hopefully we maybe sign someone in in January um, to play that left wing back role if we can keep Lee in central midfield. What was your kind of view of Shipley on on Tuesday night, Cal? I thought Shipley going forward is a really good asset for us. I think when we've had George Nurse playing, he's a he's he's a left back by trade. He's not a wing back, so he's more defensive minded. So a lot of our attacks were coming down the right, and it made us really predictable. Whereas now we've got Bennett and Shipley playing as wing backs week in week out it's more of an even balance of where the ball's going out from the midfield so you've got two good crosses of the ball on the wings obviously Shipley's not as good defensively as Bennett or um, George Nurse is going to be but then that's because he's a midfielder I think when we played I think it was Cheltenham and Shipley had his wife go into labour and had to leave we played Leahy left wing back and he looked much less effective than he does in midfield. I think if you move Leahy to left wing back, you really lose a lot in the middle of the pitch that I don't think you have many other players in our squad who can do the same job as him because him and um, Winchester, I almost called him Winniester then, Winchester um, are fantastic at winning the ball back, keeping the ball moving, getting the ball out wide. I don't think Shipley or Bayliss can play that role as well. And... Maybe it's something we look at in January to bring in a centre mid like that and then move Leahy. But Shipley was quite exposed this game and Flanagan did quite a good job of covering, I think. Well, in this system, Shipley doesn't fit. That, that's that's the brutal reality of it. He's a 4-3-3 man, isn't he? Or a 4-4-2 man, if you want to go down that route. With wing-backs, it's quite hard to get Shipley in the middle, I think. And also, you see with Bennett, obviously Bennett scored our goal. And where was he when he scored it? You know, Winchester's had a shot and Bennett's like in the opposition penalty box waiting for the ball to come back to him. So I think a wing back can get forward like Bennett was doing and Shipley can do, but Bennett can defend. And Bennett's defence when he was on the pitch was was absolutely rock solid. He'd get back, he'd get in the right positions. And I just feel really harsh criticising Shipley for that because he, he's never going to be able to do that because it's not his game. So I feel I feel Shipley's having a tough, a tough gig on this one. And I do worry that our shape against the better sides at least is not going to do him any favors. Yeah, I think I think I've seen we've said this a few times where we when we've been caught out of shape and we've been kind of overloaded it's nothing on the left. I don't know if that's just coincidence, but I don't know whether it's also the fact that you know maybe Pennington is a bit more mobile than Flanagan. This game was always going to be about the width there, wasn't it? It was going to be about two areas, well, two two areas of the pitch for us and one area the and, and one area of the pitch for Pompey. For Shrewsbury Town, it was always going to be the fact that we got two strikers against their two centre arse. And we had three midfielders against their two central midfielders. So if we were going to dominate this game, we were going to dominate it in the middle of the park and the fact that we had two strikers. Unfortunately for me, we didn't dominate the middle of the park. And I don't think our two strikers dominated their centre arse enough, which meant that they obviously then had a lot more possession. And then Pompey dominated with overlaps on in the fullback areas, which you alluded to, Dan. And if you're playing 3 5 2 against 4 4 2, Obviously, the biggest threat's going to come from overlapping wing-backs. And sometimes their, their full-backs were playing basically like wingers, weren't they, Dan? They were basically playing like 2-4-4. Four, four. And we just couldn't... I just don't think we, we were... I don't think we were defending well enough. And I don't think our players have got enough pace to play. And I don't think Shipley is, is good enough as a full wing-back to defend against two players. Um, and I thought I, well, I think I agree there's a unit we were defending pretty well. I mean, uh, oddly, uh, when it gets to our top top 
three, uh, I'm going to pick Flanagan because I, I thought Flanagan, as an international footballer, right? He, he, he's a serious player. And I think he recognised, particularly in the first half, that you know when you're overloaded like that, there's only so much you're ever going to be able to do. So I, th- I think the real problem there was that they picked Shipley as a weakness, or they seemed like they had, and they, they overloaded. And the fullback and the right winger caused, caused carnage. Yet, if you, if, if you think about how many saves did Morosi make in the game, he made a, he made a good one early on, um, and he made another one halfway through the second half. After that? Talk me through them, folks, because I can't Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, yeah we, we, I understand what you're saying. They had 75% possession. They had 16 shots. I thought that it was... I thought that their tactics worked well. I thought they dominated the wide areas. I think that we struggled to kind of stop them getting into dangerous areas. But I think what saved us was our us being able to defend our box and poor decision-making from Pompey. I think those two things combined. When you have 16 shots and we, and we blocked seven... And then in the second half, they had no shots on target, even though they had nine shots. So I think it was a combination of two things. Us defending our box, though I think we didn't defend well enough outside of the box. And I think that, um, yeah, their their poor decision-making and shooting, Dan, was probably their downfall. I don't know what you think of that. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair call. I, I think defending the box, I thought we were pretty good, to be honest. And I think it is the type of thing that Pennington does very well, actually. I mean, I don't think he's brilliant in terms of distribution on the ball, but but he, he knows how to defend the box and he positionally is quite strong. I think the, the key takeaway for me was how clueless Pompey became. They looked overcoached. They looked like they got a plan and they just had no idea how to divert from it when things had been going wrong. It was the same last week against Oxford, right, when they Oxford were down to 10 men and I... I from memory, I think it was 1-1. Um, so I think the problem, if you're a Pompey fan, I think you're likely to be saying, what on earth? We just looked like we had no idea how to break down this defence. And I think that's right. So I think the Pompey fans, actually, that I was chatting to on the way out, were, were pretty disappointed with their own team for being being toothless. And I, I think that's about right. We, we They'd run out of ideas. But if you have 16 shots, but then I guess you, I haven't looked at where those shots came from. Um, but Cal, I think it's fair to say that obviously Pompey scored one goal in this game, but... I never really saw them score score in a second. No, we we can I think we were resilient in this game. I think we were very clear this week that we were going to try and defend and we were happy with a point either at Plymouth or at Portsmouth. I think Portsmouth being a bit clueless about how to get around this helped us in a way because I'm trying to think some of their second half shots were just 30 yards absolutely launched into Rosette because they just couldn't get it past our really low block, especially when you've got Dunkley and Pennington and Flanagan who do win a lot of the headers. And if they don't, they get in the way. And Morosi didn't really have to do much, did he? So I think they were a bit clueless and that really helped us. Yeah, they were definitely missing some of their better in the central field, as I think probably showed. Um, just going through some of the action in, in terms of the game. Um, so Shrewsbury Town score after 26 minutes. Um, we've scored a first again, which seems rare. It seems we seem to be well, rare over the last like seven years of doing the podcast, but it's been quite good this week. We've scored first twice. So Shrewsbury Town attack. Um, Sadie gets fouled, but the, the ball carries on to the left, across into the box. Then they clear it and they defend it, but it comes to Winchester, who has a shot, has a deflection, hits the post. And as you mentioned, Dan, and the ball comes to, to Bennett, who fires the ball to the back of the net. But that, you know, having a, a deflection off a post makes it sound like there was quite an easy finish. But I think it's fair to say, Dan, that this was a, a very, very tidy finish from Bennett. 
It was. I mean, when he when he put it in, I just I I, I thought crikey, you know, I, I expected him to to control it and then be putting it back in the box somehow or other when you, when you see it in front of you. But um, but it, it was a, a I thought a really smooth finish after again Winchester had done very well to get the shot away. Um, and I think the key thing is if you get it get a shot off early, then you've got a greater chance of it of it taking the keeper by surprise. I mean, Jermaine Defoe, Jermaine Defoe famously said that the key thing to being a striker is to shoot in as soon as you get the opportunity. And um, well, Ben, it's not a striker, but he finished like one. Yeah, it's a really, really tidy finish. Unfortunately, the lead didn't last too long. Um, there was, yeah, there was a shot deflected and a good save by Morosi. That was must have just been in front of you, Dan. That was a good save for Morosi. Probably the only real thing he had to do all game. Yeah, came out in quick, Ollie. Yeah. Came out in very quick, and um, and he, he that's where he's brilliant. He, he got in position, and um, and you know, I never sort of felt it was going in, but that's that's Morosi's strength. And um, respect due to him, I, I thought kicking aside, which was pretty heinous. Uh, that aside, he was he was he was you know brilliant on, on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, had a good game on Saturday. Unfortunately, um, Pompey did score. Um, yeah, corner was taken quickly. Comes to the edge of the box. Shipley lets him shoot. Um, he comes to the fullback, turns on the inside. He's a, a right back, so I guess you'd maybe one defense would be that Shipley didn't think he was going to shoot from there or he was not going to score. He does shoot, um, and I think I don't know if you saw this at the time, Dan, but um, I, I noticed in the game and also also doing the highlights. It's fair to say Winchester gave him a little bit of feedback after that ball hit the back of the net. I missed the feedback. Tell me more. He was screaming at him, well, not screaming at him, but he was talking in no certain terms that you shouldn't let a player shoot at goal from the edgy 18 yard box. Uh, Winchester was giving him some advice, I think. Particularly not right backs, Ollie. I tell you what, right backs are, are, are you know they're you know they're brutal when it comes to using shoot. No, maybe not. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a good finish though. I've got, I've got to give him credit for that. He, he yeah, put it, was it right brilliant where he needed to put it. It was a really good finish, to be fair to him. But like Leahy. Had a few words as well. I saw on, I was watching on iFollow and Lee, he definitely had a few words for uh, Shipley. He looked, they just looked annoyed that he'd been allowed to get a shot off. And I think if you let any League One footballer get in and around the 18 yard box and have a shot, then they have the potential to score no matter where they play on the pitch. Especially as it's just been a corner and the box is absolutely crowded. Um, so yeah, you know, keeper has to parry or something like that. It's it's a dangerous a dangerous space, and yeah, I do feel sorry for Shipley. He's obviously playing, you know, not in his kind of favoured, you know, a number eight role. I agree with what you said earlier, Dan. I don't think you could play Shipley in midfield with um, Winchester and Bayless. I think you completely lose the, f- the kind of the balance midfield there. I think I agree with what you said as earlier on as well, um, Cal. That the the net impact of moving Leahy to to left wing back would kind of weaken the whole team overall so it's a bit of a quandary for the manager to to play maybe playing um, 4-4-2 or playing two, um, two central fielders and a back four is maybe an option but interesting to see what happens to this one um, I think January might be our saviour here because Nurse ain't coming back for a while with an AC AC um, injury um, interesting I was going to chat at this point Dan I was going to ask you all about Winchester but we've had a, a big chat about him already um, again he was he was really good in this game wasn't he yeah, and, and he's he's in an underwhelming role. He, he's yeah. he's about being positionally in the right place, about intercepting. One thing I know is when he goes, when he presses, 
he invariably causes problems for the other team. He doesn't just randomly press. Like, you hear people in the crowd, you know, love every Shrewsbury Town fan, obviously, you know, yelling, press, press, press. But there's no point two or three people pressing randomly. You've got to do it at the right time. And Winchester's good at choosing the right time, really. Um, So I I think if he continues that level of performance, particularly against sides that are not quite as good as as Portsmouth and Plymouth, then we're on to a winner for as long as we can keep uh, keep him playing for us. Yeah, no, he's um, he's a good good player. Hopefully, we can we can do um, do keep him and, and yeah, obviously maybe build on him as well and get some extra players in in January. It's going to be interesting to see what we do there. So yeah, let's bring this game to a close. Um, as I mentioned, Shrewsbury, the Pompey had no shots on target in the second half. Shrewsbury had no shots at all in the second half. Um, it wasn't the um, most entertaining um, second half, Dan. I loved it, mate. Every minute of it. Um, <laughs> we weren't good. No, absolutely. And, and if you're a Pompey fan, you are tearing your hair out because you can see they're going to have 75% of the ball, but you can probably also see they ain't going to score. So in terms of um, you know rip-roaring football, nah, they, they, they want much of that at all. But in terms of digging in, Getting the point, which is a good point. Most teams w- will will not win at uh, or not get a point at Portsmouth. They'll they'll have a decent home record. Um, I think we, we we did pretty well, and I, I was particularly impressed by the the unity of the team at the end of the game. I, I'm not somebody who thinks that you know town players always need to come and clap, and if they don't, then they're all you know heartless gits or whatever. I, I don't buy into that nonsense. But all, the whole squad came over to, to to our end. They they stood in one line. And, and they were very clear that they appreciated um, that, that people had travelled, you know, a long way this week. And um, and I thought that was a, that was good. And I'm not somebody who really cares about that that much. But it, it felt like um, as a club, there's a, there was a degree of unity around uh, around the week's efforts. And I think that's good. It doesn't mean it's all perfect, but I think um, there there are plenty of clubs in plenty of worse positions than we are at, at the moment. Yep, no, I agree with all that. I agree with all that. Um, in terms of um, top three, Dan, who did you go for in this one? Well, you won't be too surprised to hear that I went for Winchester um, top. I thought, I thought it was very good. Um, I went for Flanagan. Now, Flanagan, he had one or two sort of uncharacteristic hoiks into the stand, which which were largely, I think, because he was played balls that were quite difficult to um, to deal with. But Flanagan is is a top quality defender in League One. Um, if, if we're not doing well, it's, it's not going to be because of Flanagan. So I, I think he he's a solid reader of a game who um, who is is if, if I were in a you know a fight I'd want Flanagan on my side he's, he's got something about him that I, re- I think is really impressive so he was number two I thought he had a very good game and thirdly uh, I went for Dunkley I, I think Dunkley's he, he's got beast mode in him as well he, and he was very good in the air and um, you can sort of tell he doesn't like losing does that sound a bit daft all professional footballers shouldn't like losing but there's something about him again when, when you've got your backs to the wall Dunkley's not a bad man to have around and I thought he was a standout uh, performer on Saturday. And who did you go for, Carl, in your top three? Um, Dunkley, absolutely rock solid once again. I don't think he's had anything less than a seven out of ten. Pretty much every game he's played for us, he's been really consistent. Wins all his headers. What I mean, what is there to say that hasn't already been said about him? Um, second, Bennett came off. It's about an hour he came off after, wasn't it? But he got the goal. Really composed finish. Looked really good for the half hour. I think he was quite unlucky to come off, but obviously, I think he just, I think he said he'd been clipped on the back of the ankle or something. And yeah. He didn't. He said he didn't want to let the team down. So obviously, there's not a very selfish ideology in the team. Is that they want to do what's right for the team rather than try and play on themselves and sign of an experienced pro, players. isn't it? That he yeah. he he knows that he's he's going to be lesser of himself. Um. So rather than 
well, one, obviously make himself injured, but also two, you know, if you're injured, especially an ankle injury, um, yeah, you're, you're potentially um, vulnerable, aren't you? And then third, I went for Pennington. I mean, I could have gone for Winchester or Flanagan, but Pennington probably just edged it for me because, I mean, very defensive performance, so did well to just win everything, get in the way classic panics performance really yeah i'd agree with that i went for the same um, top three as well i went for dunkley and um, bennett and pennington um sometimes we were doing top three especially if we don't win sometimes you're looking for players that kind of didn't make any mistakes um and i thought all three of them were exceptional um i thought yeah i liked your kind of reference in terms of dunkley like almost like the balls um attract to him like a magnet he wins everything um, I thought Pennington was excellent again um, on Saturday. And I do, I am pleased that he's back. Um, I think we look a lot better. Um, I'm sure you'd agree, Cal, when we've got Pennington, Dunkley and Flanagan in the back three. I think that is probably the strongest part of our team. And when Marco's on his game as well, um, maybe not distribution-wise, but in terms of those as a back four unit at shot-stopping, we are much stronger with Pennington. And I'm not just saying that because his family stand right in front of me at the games either. <laughs> it's... Um, we are definitely much stronger with him in the yeah. team. Yeah, is there a, they're, they're, they are the basis of our side, aren't they? Um, and it's the kind of the foundation that which means we can play this low block um, counter attacking football, um, which has got us. You know, it's been successful this season. Why will we get frustrated and that we don't do more because we see these players and we think we can do a bit more of passing? Um, but that's one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about in, on this podcast, actually, Cal. Um, I saw you tweeting during the game and, and we were chatting in kind of prep. Yeah, our passing and our kind of attractiveness uh, of, of play is, um, is a, leaves a little bit want, wanting sometimes. Um, what's your kind of view on that? Obviously, not just these two games, but also in terms of like the context of the season. It's tricky because obviously we're doing well. I mean, Shrewsbury Town being in the top half is a good season for us. We can't criticise where we are, but it's weird because we're not playing amazing football. We're playing really gritty, attritional sort of sneak points here and there, grab a win every now and then. Like, we're playing effective but not pretty football. I think we're really wasteful with the ball on Saturday. I think it, I looked, it was 65 completed passes in the first half, with which was 59% accuracy. And when you have so little of the ball, we need to be more effective with it. And it's weird because at Plymouth, we were really effective in that first half moving the ball. I don't know why suddenly we became really wasteful a lot of balls were going out of play I don't know what's the difference between the Plymouth first half and the Portsmouth game where we were much more wasteful with the possession that we did have yeah it's a quandary it's one I'd love to ask the manager why because in the, in the second half particularly against Portsmouth um, we we didn't have an out ball and we didn't even try to have an out ball did we we just had to lump it long um, and I thought it was fascinating, actually. We talked about XG in the Plymouth game, and both Shrewsbury and Plymouth had, um, well, it was 1.6 and 1.3. In this game, the XG was 0.6 and 0.7. And I just wondered whether it was, you know, that middle midweek game meant that both sides were less attacking and less efficient. I don't know what you, whether you, what's your view on that. The way we set up for this game contributed to it, and I think Portsmouth having sort of a lack of idea of how to break us down probably contributed to it as well because obviously we're sitting so deep there aren't particularly good goal scoring chances being created for either team because we're quite content to sit back and defend 
and they're having to take pop shots from 25 yards, which are not going to be high XG chances. There was one chance for us in the second half that I saw. Um, my Sadie puts it right across the six-yard line, and there's no one there. They've either gone to the near post, or I think it was Lee He was just arrived on the edge of the box. There was no one there. It just needed someone like an Aidan O'Brien, who would, an experienced striker, just to know where to be, to just tap it in. And we could, we, I mean, we could have won both the games this week. I don't think anyone was expecting that coming into Tuesday night, the fact that we could have realistically taken six points from six. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought about going into the Plymouth game. I was quite wary of that one. Um, but yeah, given how play well we played in the first half, and I think if we can put more performances together like we, we did in the first half, you never know, this could be quite a fun season. Um, obviously, we're not too far away from the playoffs still, so there's a lot to be hopeful of. But um, yeah, it's almost the... Yeah, just a little bit frustrating, isn't it, watching um, Shrewsbury Town sometimes? Um, and that view is kind of shared by quite a few Shrewsbury Town fans. I saw on um, on Saturday um, some interesting tweets, and one tweet from I've put in the podcast agenda from Tom Williams, who said, good point for Salah, but totally knit footballing display. Um, unbelievable org- defence and organisation, but nowhere near the heights of Tuesday when we deserve to win. Um, and that's something that you see quite a bit, isn't it, Shrewsbury Town fans? You know, really proud of the team and well how we defend um, but we want to see a little bit more going forward. Hopefully, that's something the team the team can work on. Um, and yeah, any anything, any final comments on that, Cal, or, or this game before we, we move on? There's one final thing I want to talk about, but anything else? Um, I just think we're doing quite well considering O'Brien and De Costa are now back out with their injuries. Considering we're missing four players who would realistically be in the starting eleven or one on the bench, I think we're doing really well to just grind out performances when you know we've got two starting 11 players out with ACL injuries O'Brien's not really been around this season DaCosta being injured for most of the season as well as having Bennett and Pennington have been out this season you know we're we're doing all right I mean it's not the most attractive football but at the end of the day as long as we're having some points on the board and we're getting some results there's at least there's something to be happy about whereas you know the Ricketts era where it was dire football and we were losing every week at least there's something to smile about really yeah you go into a game don't you thinking there's a chance we're going to get something if we get a lead I think there's a good chance you're going to hold out um, for something yeah I'm definitely pleased with um, and I think you know, in terms of since we've been doing the podcast I'd say um, Steve Cottrell yeah, it's one of the best managers we've had. Obviously, we've had a few a few duffers in that spell. Obviously, Paul Hurst is is Paul Hurst, um, but Steve Cottrell um, is doing a good job with what he's got. And yeah, it, it's um, it, it's good to it, it's good that we are effective and getting points and winning games could be a little bit more attractive. But yeah, be interesting to see if we if we adapt our style of play throughout the season and if we do get a little bit better. I think the one thing that I have to say though, Cal, is at least we're scoring goals um, a lot of the time in the open play. I think that was a weakness of ours earlier in the season. Yeah, I think the ability to score goals from open play is something that we've been missing for quite a long time. And it's not just Cottrell. I think it was something with Ricketts and Askey. I mean, we just didn't really score goals into them. But we've got Cottrell now and we're starting to put some really nice moves together. The goal on Tuesday night was brilliant. It wasn't like an amazing strike from 40 yards, but the team played to build up to that the players knowing what to do and where to be it's just it gives you a bit of hope and ultimately it's the hope that kills you, you we'll go on like a 
four-game goalless streak now that I've said that. <laughs> well, we, hopefully um, not. Hopefully <laughs> not, because looking ahead um, in terms of um, looking at the fixtures, obviously the next um, week, next Saturday, so we've got one game week, so that'll be good for the players to rest. And then we've actually got three home games in a row, um, which is going to be nice. So we've got York City at home um, on Saturday, the 5th of November. And then I don't normally talk about, you know, obviously we're going to have another podcast on Sunday, but then we're at home on Wednesday against Oxford United, who are not doing so great. And then we've got Barnsley at home as well. So three home games coming up. And will we be going to the, the FA Cup game, Carl? Um, I think I will be. I need to get my ticket sorted. and I've just realised I need to get my ticket sorted as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one having to sort the tickets. But yeah, I'll, yeah. Be, I'll be there for the York game, but not for the Oxford one because um, I don't fancy the drive up and down from Bristol and then getting up for work at 7 o'clock the next day. So no. I think that'll be an eye-follow job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eye-follow on, on a Wednesday night. Um, so yeah, that brings us um, to a close of the podcast. Big thanks um, for coming on the podcast, Carl. Really appreciate um, your your input. Thanks for having me. And Dan um, had to exit. Um, he is going to a show or something um, at 7.30, so we've done this a bit earlier um, to allow that. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Dan. Um, and yeah, we'll be back again next week. Um, thanks for listening, everyone.
alongside Sadie's rotated a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. I wasn't quite sure who he'd play. But um, I've not seen too much to street re- in this season, but he's he was quite impressive in this game, actually. It was definitely the better of the two games he had this week. That's probably down to tiredness. But um, yeah, no, he was... Apart from that, it's it's the standard Shrewsbury selection, really, isn't it? I think the key thing for me there, Ollie, was it became apparent what a good selection it was when Street went off at Portsmouth and Pike came on. Because Pike was pretty timid. Um, he didn't look like there was any belief in what he was doing. And I thought, oh, crikey, you know, where, where's that been for the last, whatever it was, 120-odd minutes where he hasn't been on the field? So I, I think the choice of Street there made a lot of sense, right? Because he did seem to have a bit of purpose about his play. So fair play for, to Cottrell for, for going with him rather than Pike on that occasion. Yeah, it's, it's Pike. He has a little bit of um, imposter syndrome, doesn't he, Dan? He doesn't seem to believe that he's always he's a professional footballer because when he's on his game and he's trying hard, like that Forest Green Rovers game we went to, we both stood next to each other that one. The chalk and cheek, they don't look like the same player, do they? What we saw on Tuesday night, or you know, and also on Saturday versus what we saw on that that, that um, Forest Green game. Drives me to distraction, Ollie. It really does because I mean, as you well know, he's going to be the breakthrough player of the season, right? <laughs> you heard it here um, three months ago on this pod. But but uh, certainly, 